And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. We are uh, very excited for this episode. Uh, we are talking about personal sacrifices uh, inspired by this week's Star Trek Discovery episode. We're going to be talking about all sorts of sacrifices characters have made and to help us as we're entering a time in our lives where we are continuing to make um, a lot of sacrifices. So to get things started, let us know in the comments what's your favorite episode involving a character making a sacrifice. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about um, in this episode. So let's uh, let's kind of jump into it, Larry. Um, I am going to open up uh, the doors here on our uh, briefing room. So this is the part of the show where we are doing a deeper dive into the Star Trek canon. Um, particularly, we're exploring um, episodes that involve personal sacrifice. And um, we've kind of danced around this topic before. We talked. One of our early episodes was about um, the needs of the many versus the needs of the few or the one, and we're taking a little bit of a different angle here. That can get a little bit uh, a little philosophical. Um, well, you know what so, it was for me also the, the needs of the many felt like it was very cataclysmic. You know, very uh, over dramatic. So I, uh, I like when you, you suggested personal sacrifice. A lot of us, it's like we'd love to be heroic and be a martyr <laughs> and have it over and done with, but we don't. We, like, sometimes personal sacrifice is an ongoing daily thing for several days, several weeks, months, years even. And that's what I was thinking of here. So why, are we, why do we talk about personal sacrifice today? Well, the reason is... Um, this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery really um, explored a little bit of um, of personal sacrifice. So this is Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 6, uh, Scavengers. I'm not going to give any spoilers here. Not No big spoilers. But the episode really involves um, Michael making a decision that might have... Uh, that might have a big negative consequence on her career. And it's a decision she makes for Book... And Book has also made a decision that might be about, uh, that might, that did lead him to make a sacrifice as well. They both made a decision that involved some personal sacrifice. On Michael's end, it was much more sacrifice related to her career. Non-spoiler reaction, um, I continue to 
in, really enjoy this episode, of, uh, this season of Star Trek Discovery and find so many examples from every week's episode that are really relevant to this, uh, this timeline we are in right now. So, um, we, we saw that theme of, of sacrifice here between Book as well as Michael. And we also noticed, uh, Larry and I that um, we're all being asked, especially those of us who are in America right now, um, we're being asked to make a lot of sacrifices. I think everyone around the world is being asked to make a lot of sacrifices related to uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic. For those of you who aren't in America, we have um, one of the biggest um, holidays in the United States is coming up, Thanksgiving. And it's a holiday when people usually travel very long. Uh, typically, people travel very long distances to see family, to get connected with, uh, with, to get reconnected with friends and family as well. And a lot of leaders in the United States are saying, uh, please, 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 please don't do that. Please avoid it. Please minimize it. Um, it's very hard to do it safely. If you are going to do it safely, here's all the things you have to sort of follow. So we thought in the spirit of all that, sacrifice that uh, is happening around the world with people sheltering in place, around the world with people giving up on different things that they want to do in their lives that they would normally do, and given this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery, that uh, sacrifice would be um, a good theme over here. So um, I think we had um, some slightly different original series examples that came to mind. Um, so would, do you want to talk about yours? Well, I said that about ongoing day to day, and then I thought of some cataclysmic ones. And I think cataclysmic all come to mind. Actually, one of them I sent you was the if we were thinking of I say cataclysmic like one off, like you know the 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 ultimate sacrifice is you know giving your life, and that's what yes. we think of. And of course, I think the ultimate give your life sacrifice in Star Trek is is Spock in the Wrath of Khan, right? Yeah, the need there's you can't you just can't trump that. You can't trump that. Um, yeah. let's say Trump one more time, but, no. <laughs> but again, this is like the example of what we didn't want to get to this morning. We've actually covered, uh, yeah. the, the, needs of the many and the needs of the few or the one. Right. We want to uh, cover some new territory. So, yeah. So original series, again, it wasn't giving of one's life, but just giving of your, whatever it is, a, a part of your life that you're going to sacrifice for everyone else. And even though it was a one-time event, it wasn't an ongoing situation, although you carry it every day. But one of the huge sacrifices of the original series, I thought it was Kirk giving up his the love of his life. People sneer at that, but you know, I think everybody agrees that Edith Keeler was the love of Kirk's life and giving up the ultimate sacrifice for... for um, the pri Now we would just say, oh, it was just for one timeline. <laughs> <laughs> just for one timeline. Well, it wasn't the timeline, but it was to them, and that's what we, you know, we honor that, and everybody still. That's when when we have this debate ongoingly now, uh, increasingly, where for younger eyes say, "Oh, I can't watch the original series. I just can't. I can't get it. It's so '60s," which I've heard more and more. Not from this crowd. It's so long. It's it's hard to get into. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've heard that. From uh, the, the sets, the visual effects. City right. on the Edge of Forever is still the episode I say, okay, go try this one. And yes, yeah. there'll be some some aspects of 60s filmmaking, but still, I think it's pretty universal in the acting and the plot and the story holds up. And the emotions are there because they're, you know, it's a fish out of water story. But no one can doubt 
the power of that um, that sacrifice. So and he it, did it as an ongoing event because the prime timeline owes his existence to, at least this time, it owes his existence to uh, Kirk. Yeah, for what he gave yep. up. Yep, I um I agree. Um, uh, Cairo's bringing up um the Doomsday Machine um and Decker, which is um a really great sacrifice. Um, uh, there there's so many examples. Um, this is one that um the City on Edge of Forever we haven't really talked about too much, uh, and it's. You know, uh, uh, like well, one of the things I wanted to do during this sh- the show is ask you why you think these sacrifices were made because this will get into what I want to talk about in the counselor's log. Uh, but this one's pretty obvious. It's <laughs> this sacrifice was made for uh, for their timeline, for their future, for mm-hmm. um, for what they know of as history, for preserving that timeline. Um, so countless lives were really saved. Um, and it came at the expense of of Kirk's uh, true love here. Yeah, yeah. for the good for the, for the good of all, not the good of the many. For the good of all, right, right. Um, yeah, I was thinking of um, of a mock time um, in regards to sacrifice and um, the lengths uh, Kirk um, Kirk and Bones really go to not only in just going to Vulcan and supporting Spock, um, that wasn't really the big sacrifice, but Kirk really um, fighting in that battle and risking his own life um, for his friend in, in this kind of weird turn of events where he's uh, pitted against Spock. Um, I, I, I thought that was, um, it's a wonderful show of how much Kirk and Bones um, uh, really love Spock and their their friendship and how far they will go to sacrifice their own well-being for each other if it if it helps the mm-hmm. other person. Um, so I really I really like that example. Um, and I don't think we've talked too much about a mock time. Um, yes, we- uh, McCoy sacrifices a little bit of Triox compound out of his hypo. So you know, it's- <laughs> the Triox compound. Um, <laughs> The um, uh, another example um, thinking about of our uh, our original series cast um, Star Trek three. So we've talked about um, Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan a lot, and the needs of the many versus the needs of the, uh, of the few or the one. But um, Star Trek three really gets into sacrifice as well, and here we have Kirk uh, being willing to sacrifice his entire career. Uh, because he has this idea that um, Spock, some aspect of Spock might still be out there. And he owes it to him um, to, to do whatever he can um, to try to help him. And not just Kirk, but the, the whole crew really comes along. Um, Scotty sacrifices his career. I mean, he sabotages the the Excelsior. Uh, we'll never get to know if that transwarp drive <laughs> really works. <laughs> well, keep watching. Buckle in, we're going to transwarp, folks. <laughs> that bridge, Larry. Is I feel huge. like we've got to transwarp. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've got to transwarp. <laughs> the bridge on the Excelsior in Star Trek Three is so massive. There are so many people. Um, it was so ahead of its time. Look, it's a huge bridge for nothing. Oh, yeah. Shh. Oh, we'll get you into the Kelvin universe and and Discovery soon. I'm sure. Oops, did I see that? Okay, huge. 
huge. How I thought the whole point was cameras were getting smaller, not larger. Mm. Okay, I'm off of that. I'm off of that. Uh. <laughs> um, the um, so Scotty sacrificing his career as a Sulu checkoff Uhura. The the whole the whole gang. Um, they're uh, they're really putting um, all of their futures uh, in Starfleet at risk, and I think it's because again they. Um, uh, Spock was there for them. Spock um, has been there as a friend, as an officer. Um, it's because of Spock that they all are still even alive. Um, so they 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 literally owe him a life debt, um, as uh, as uh, another character has said. Um, but Larry, you brought up probably I think one of the greatest examples of a character that really shows us. Um, personal sacrifice. And I want to dive into this character a little bit. So uh, you mentioned um, in our prep... Sins I was going to say, father. I mentioned several. Help me out. Okay, yeah. We'll... Yeah, Sins of the Father and, and Worf um, in particular. So yeah. there's a lot There's a lot here I want to talk about with Worf. So, um, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into it. I'm going to turn it over to you. Oh, well, we started, we, and we, we focused on this once before just as a personal. I think we had a whole episode devoted to Worf early on. But no, I mean, it's hidden sacrifice. In this episode that kicks it off, they find out not only was there the conspiracy to cover up the Kittimer massacre, uh, his father and their family being blamed for it, and it turns out it was all false. It was the Dura, House of Duras. It was Duras's father. Uh, which no one remembers Duras's father's name because everybody says the House hmm. of Duras. So that's uh, a case. What is his? What is his name? Gerard, which is so uh, unfunny sounding. It's like mentioned yeah. once, and, yeah. and no one ever says it again because no one wants to. Um, but, <laughs> but no, it's mentioned that not only was was their father not complicit, their their family not part of this, but being blamed for it. The real perpetrators are sitting there on the council exerting yes. all this pressure. And then, as we see in the follow-up in New Ground and all of that, when Kempek dies, the old chancellor, Duras is up, is up for the nomination, which makes things even worse. And, um, and Worf keeps sacrifice. Worf pretends to be discommendated. I mean, he is. Yes. But he pretends yeah, to carry the shame of a crime they didn't do. You do that so well. Um. I'm, I'm, it helps to have a rolly seat. I want to commend you for your sacrifice in carrying on all the visual effects for today. Um, <laughs> the visual effects have now turned into Ali pretending to discommodate. Um, am I? Who am I discommodating? There's no one else here. Is it you? Your Skype window? I guess so. I guess you're, yeah. You're discommodating my blue S. That'll make it go away. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that discommodation. So this is Klingon civil war. And then he's finally redeemed. And then Gowron just using this as whipping boy. Whenever Gowron throws a tantrum, it's always war. You know, even yeah, through totally. the Dominion. War. <laughs> Don't you tell me how to run a war? Yeah. There will be great honor for the Empire. <laughs> His eyes, uh, they're always just so, so striking. Um, like, Okay. <laughs> the, so what um, what I think is is really amazing about Worf is he puts um, as as we would say in our timeline um, country ahead of politics, right? He puts 
he puts country ahead of uh, his own personal benefit. And in, in the in Star Trek context, he's putting um, the empire, the well-being of the empire ahead of his own honor. And it's not just his, but his his family. Uh, we find out about um, his brother. And um, later on in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, um, because of the events that have played out in The Next Generation, and uh, Worf's brother does not really find himself in the best place. And Worf ends up... Contributing to wiping his own memory and, and basically um, erasing any um, any contact he has with his own immediate family for the sake of his brother. So Worf is a character who consistently is putting these other causes ahead of his own. Um, he is consistently making these sacrifices. As Jadzia says, you know, he's... He's more Klingon than like mm -hmm. any other Klingon. I mean, maybe. she has. Maybe you remember the exact quote, Larry. I don't. Um, it's something like that. But it's it's, it's a, interesting because uh, sometimes it's from from interspecies mixes. You get that. But I mean, I remember people talking about Cork being, you know, more the he's more Ferengi than any other Ferengi, or he tries to be. But he's also the one. That's because he's feeling his oats being surrounded by others and Worf is the same way. He, he overcompensates when he feels like he's not being Klingon enough instead of being comfortable in that skin. <laughs> I just had to say, Glenn, uh, Glenn just made me crack up. He said, <laughs> yeah. Larry's video feed today is a real pain in the ass. <laughs> oh man. It is so random just to see this, um, S S logo here. Um, yeah, I I just feel like uh, maybe see I could I can't get Skype to accept any of my cameras. I think that's what the problem is. Oh, Scott just said I love the Les Mis reference in that storyline. Are we talking uh, Sins of the Father? Um, uh, a Les Mis Rob reference there. Um, I if only I had one day more, I could probably remember what that reference is. Um, oh, well, I, I do not re remember that reference. Scott, uh, please, uh, please enrich us, um, with, uh, yeah. with, with the reference. Um, do, 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 do. So, War yeah, Worf's a, a wonderful character. Larry, why? Why, 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 why? Why is he so sacrificial? <laughs> why does he keep doing this? <laughs> well, he thinks, I think we touched on it. It's because he's the Klingon out of Klingon water and feels like he's got to overcompensate for not being among his people or back yeah. home or in his own force. And so by doing that, he's he's reading the rule book. He's looking at the inspirational poster of being a Klingon, and everybody else is like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. They're all the just... inspirational poster of being a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> it's aspirational, you know. I will have honor today. I will do duty today. I will. I will do truth today. Everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, just go kill somebody." Go, go oh. kill somebody and get your darsets. <laughs> that is also, folks, uh, another impression there. So uh, please have another. Uh, have another Rectagino. Uh That yeah, that's a good point. And and I think that 
that brings up what we talked about in our earlier Wharf episode is um, he has been so estranged from his culture, his people, his family. So um, for him, his identity as Klingon uh, plays out differently than it does for other Klingons. And maybe he feels a sense of duty and honor in um, in a much different way, and he feels like he does have to prove more more to himself, or or maybe this is how he maintains that connection is by um, you know what, um, sure, I will I will take on these things because I can, um, I will take on this discommodation uh, because I can bear it. I I work in Starfleet. I live in the Federation. Um, I can I can take on this dishonor if it means that. Uh, um, the empire will uh, will continue and prosper and have stability. I yeah. think that's well, a, that's a very good point. We've uh, we've we should move on because we've done a whole episode for Worf already. And there's yeah, yeah, all, that's true. That's there's true. some wonderful things popping out of the chat, and I'm seeing all kinds of new names in the chat today too. So, uh, hello, Stella, Stella, Kareen Hoffman, um, the crew of the Discovery. The entire crew sacrificed a lot to make the jump into the future of the universe, which is yes. huge. Yeah, uh, that's huge. They've given uh, up. I mean, I can't imagine giving up every connection to yeah. pretty much everyone you've ever had, and right. never being able to have that ever again. I mean, this. Yeah, no, that's a. That's almost like an inverse Kirk times eighty or something or ninety, whatever right, it was. Right. Uh, right. Jesse Taggart says Eddington sacrificed his Starfleet career for the Maquis, which. I guess several people uh, you could say maybe did that. Um, and Scott and Scott said that's the reference to Les Miserables, uh, not not the Klingons and sins of okay, our father. That, uh, I was that makes say, that so was, much more sense. That, plus, it was canon. <laughs> Cisco said it, so it's a canon reference. Right, uh, right, 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 right. Uh, and um, hello, Richard Schindel. Here's another new name today. Yay! Ah, Richard, uh, welcome. I keep playing to the camera like you're seeing me. I'm doing all my camera stuff, and it's like, what's the point, Larry? Um, but Richard says Captain Lorca, even if he was from the Mirror Universe, sure. uh, sacrificed a lot. He sacrificed a lot to get his Burnham back or get a Burnham back, putting get, up with get all a those, Burnham back. <laughs> <laughs> all those non-Mirror morons, you know, to to do that. Uh, Let's see. Uh, no, there's just, I mean, we'd sent some more. I just wanted to catch up here with the chat here a little bit. Yeah, uh, no, I know. So here mm. says Bashir's dad took the fall for their whole family so Bashir could keep going. Yeah. But it's yeah. a crazy law and a crazy, you know, it's like that episode is not any more contortionated than the initial law is in the first place. It's like Bashir's obviously a good guy and functioning. And so, like, just overlook it. Like, no, we can't. We have to ensure justice is done because we're still not letting people genetically manipulate people i mean when we get when we get on the other side of um star trek discovery and we've run out of new trek um for for the foreseeable future although they're making um season four of star trek discovery right now so we'll have we'll have some new star trek oh it'll be a while it'll be a while before we see that it'll be a while Yeah, yeah i know um, when was this season filmed, Larry? Uh, I want to say ended in. Well, they were they actually stopped filming right about the time the pandemic hit. But I think they'd started in April, May, June, early summer, and they filmed of through. Last year. Yeah, and then they filmed through February 
2020. So, so it has been one, <laughs> about a year and a half since we yeah. started filming that. So it might be a while, folks, until we have new Star Trek. But once we're on the other side of, uh, once Life Support Live is on the other side of new Star Trek, maybe we'll, we'll, we can do some episodes on, um, like medical ethics and health ethics around things like genetic engineering. Cause I think that's a really interesting, complicated issue. And it's, it's similar to, um, you know, they, oh, they banned. Well, yeah, we can get into that. Um, um, it, it's similar to how time travel has been banned now in this 32nd century. Like how do you enforce some of these things? Once the technology has been invented, the genie's out of the battle, you know, it's, it's, so it's, I think it's a interesting thing for us to talk about. Um, speaking of, of the comments, uh, let's, let's jump it around a little bit here. Here's another one from Heidi. Uh, Heidi. I'm just going to say, are you looking at what I'm looking? I mean, I can't tell because I just see your S, but, Yes, I was gonna say. Uh, I was looking at the exact same comment. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a little mind meld there, Larry. Um, a little S. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't T'Pol sacrifice her standing with the Vulcan High Command to support the Federation, and she sacrificed her relationship with Trip to marry Koss, and through that save her mother's reputation? Absolutely. Um, T'Pol's another character I was thinking about in our prep that um, has sacrificed a lot. She. She uh, just getting started with the with the storyline in Enterprise. She sacrifices her connection with other Vulcans uh, to serve on this ship with humans, which is kind of uh, not really a thing that has happened yet. Um, we learn later that her grandmother, I think it was her grandmother, or was it her great grandmother who was on Earth, Larry? Um, mm-hmm. Yes, um, grandmother or great grandmother. Great, great grandmother. grandmother, yeah. Oh, they say great um, foremother is what the Vulcan great say. foremother, right, right. Yeah. Um, um, so we know that uh, like Vulcans have been around humans before, but haven't served with them in this way. So she's sacrificing a lot there, and then the other examples Heidi brings up as well. Um, so this, uh, I mean, a similar question as uh, as I have with Worf. Um, to Paul's a character we haven't really uh, dived into too much. Why? Why, why is T'Pol willing to make these sacrifices, Larry? What do you think? Well, it's it's not T'Pol; it's her foremother or great her great foremother. Is that what you mean? No, I, I mean getting, but getting forward to Enterprise. Um, she serves. Oh, oh, on, oh. She serves. She serves on the ship. Why is she, she putting up, up with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she gives up her commission in the High Command to uh, to serve on the enterprise when she's called back um she makes the sacrifices for her family as well for her mother so um similar to Worf, she's someone who is um doing all of these things for this uh to to really help humans in many ways and then her her mother in another situation why I, you know, I think she was just corrupted by that human blood from three, <laughs> from three <laughs> generations before. No, I, uh, it's, well, you do, you see pristine prime, uh, to Paul there that first, that first year. I don't know. It's just because, uh, why does anyone, why does Quark turn? Why does anyone turn? Why? It, those oh. damn humans are so darn lovable. That's all it can be. <laughs> I think it's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I'll have some stuff to say about it in the counselor's log. Uh, I, 
Um, I get the impression that um, through her time with the humans, um, T'Pol sees something. And um, she she thinks that something is worth cultivating and maybe it comes from um you know that the first great um andorian episode we have um uh the is it uh is it called the andorian isn't it mm-hmm. is that yes. The, yeah, yes yeah yeah where to paul eh? uh, yeah um it's very yeah it's a very helpful uh very well titled uh episode um almost as well titled as Sacrifice of the Angels, which I'll get into um, in a moment as well. From Deep Space that's Nine. helpful in a yeah. sacrifice. <laughs> and for our purposes today, it's quite helpful. Um, but I, I think T'Pol sees through the lens of the humans um, some of the problems, maybe with the Vulcans, maybe some of the contributions and values of the Andorians and humans as well. Um, and I think later on. To Paul definitely feels like the humans have her back in a way that the Vulcans might not. And they don't start at that place. Season one mm-hmm. of Enterprise, they definitely don't start there. But it is a long road, but they get there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> was that trying to be very subtle? Yeah, It was a very subtle one. I didn't want uh-huh. to go. I didn't want to go full faith of the heart. Um, it's a very dangerous thing to go full faith of the heart. <laughs> look, look at that, looking back at our chat Galinda B says on YouTube says I volunteered last Saturday so someone else could get the day off and I couldn't juggle mm. work chat in this chat that I understand that is a that is a supreme sacrifice Galinda and I appreciate it but it's yeah. glad to see you back we're glad yeah, to see you back good to see you back good to see you back the, and um, like, you know we've got we've got such great examples coming in this is one Larry let's let's dive into this one we've never I don't think we've even mentioned this character's name on Life Support Live. Well, let's not start now. Oh, what? Tasha Yar. Oh, yeah. Yes. Tasha Yar. Um, Tasha Yar helping out. It's another timeline. Who cares? No, I'm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Tasha Yar did. Uh, so, uh, prime Tasha Yar, if you want to call her that, um, she wasn't aware that she was making any sacrifice. She was killed. Um, she was killed by the the slime goo monster. <laughs> Wait, that's not what he sounds like. How does that that blob? I can't even. I don't even remember. I can't. I, I'm trying to do an impression of the blob voice, and all that's coming out is <laughs> blob. That's, that's good that's enough. That. Yeah. Okay. So that that's was good a enough sacrifice. For, good enough for podcast work. Okay. Right. <laughs> um. Uh. But ta- the there's alternate. Tashiar, who does sacrifice her life for the Enterprise C. And she doesn't necessarily know if she would be alive, um, but she is making, if, if the timeline is restored in yesterday's Enterprise, but she does, um, she does make this choice thinking that it might lead her to to die, that she will be on the Enterprise C, and the Enterprise C needs to go back in time, and it needs to perish defending these, um, uh, defending the Klingons. And she kind of does not die. <laughs> not only does she kind of not die, but she has a daughter who is a Romulan, um, who is an awesome character. Um mm-hmm. 
and and that whole kind of kind of arc there. But um, I thought um, Tasha Yar, it was such a wonderful return to see her in yesterday's Enterprise. I mean that that's probably one of my favorite all time favorite episodes. Um, it's it's definitely in my top ten. And we haven't we haven't talked about that episode. Uh, no, or the well, we've got the entire arc. Um, and I'm looking back here. I'm still in the chat. These are all great. I mean, I sent you some images for some. There's one or two that I sent that I was. It's this is one of those topics. It's like all these topics where like you can either open the floodgates and you have 47 billion, you know, whatever's, or you find some way to limit it, or you try to look for the things that aren't as obvious. And I, um, Scott yeah, mentions. Scott mentions uh, Pike sacrificing his safety for the cadets, um, throwing himself in there. Uh, Richard Schindel, or one of our newer names here, the uh, Spock's uh, Ichaya, Spock's salad, mm. sacrificing himself. Um, uh, oh, just all kinds of. Uh, oh, Cybok even sacrificing himself. These, I mean, but again, those are like one, t- you know, sa- martyrdom type sacrifices. I'm, I'm thinking about ongoing, trying to think about ongoing uh, sacrifices. Yeah. Oh, um, hey. But I've got, I sent you some, I sent you some images there. One of them from, from DS9 we, gets overlooked a lot uh, as far as like a non cataclysmic yes oh let's 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 talk about this because this this ties into one i want to bring up too um let's not do that then (laughs) (laughs) let's not coordinate um yeah let's talk about deep space nine and you are um the image you sent me was from wow uh, deep space nine why is that so oh that figures (laughs) that's that's just so today (laughs) i was like why is that such a low resi photo that's bizarre oh i can make it very big i can make it like that yeah Um, no i mean it's very broken it's very low res and it wasn't when i sent it to you but uh so let's talk about this Um, it's coming in it's yeah um so we're talking about kira's uh pregnancy which is actually keiko's pregnancy but nana visitor Mm -hmm. was actually pregnant so <laughs> let's let's wow what let's, a coincidence yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence um so yeah yeah larry this was your example let's let's uh let's dive into it yeah no i just just it's like well they didn't have a spare trill symbiont handy that needed an emergency <laughs> rejoining so they're like let's just go back with human fetuses okay <laughs> anyway but it's 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 really kind of structurally dramatically it's the same thing it's like oh look i'm injured in my symbiont i mean my fetus will die if it doesn't get a you know a secure host okay so it's a nine-month trill joining is what it is no but it's a kind of a it's a huge sacrifice it's a sacrifice on kira the care not nana the actress but kira the character to carry somebody else's baby i mean what a what a great gift right of uh, of selflessness that is that's yeah. another you know that's like i guess sacrifice is like extreme selflessness um yeah i mean you you are you're doing self-love. something for someone else and it is coming at some cost to you whether it's emotional cost physical cost financial cost um there is um it is costing you something and i think in, in this example for uh kira the, i mean it is a huge cost to to her just in terms of um um carrying a a child um a developing a human fetus in this case and uh, we see that um what's great is since nana was pregnant 
it is um it feels so realistic um as you see that pregnancy develop on on that season what is that season five larry no, season four five um, or six five uh, or six it's before um it's before we had uh first contact uniforms so um right uh, i want to my money's on season four um i'm betting here um i thought i, I, thought I get in the but, right series but I, I think you can you can probably figure that out. But while you while you're uh, figuring that out, I'm just uh, I'm just a little distracted. Larry, what what season are you seeing there? Um, we we can't quite make it out. Um, are, well, are I mean, we? Seeing... I'm here at the corner of 148th and Post Oak Road, <laughs> watching <laughs> watching the season funnels come at us, and uh, no, I. Uh, yeah, we are. It's like a bad reenactment of Groundhog's Day. Is is, is what oh, that what it is? I was going for Twister myself, or just oh, Twister. Any Oklahoma City channel I grew up watching. So okay. <laughs> um. So what I wanted to say about about this is, uh, I don't even know why I was asking about the what season of Deep Space Nine. Um. Our our comment section might might be able to to help out here with the season. Anyways, um, do, 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 I was going to say something of actual value, which was that, that. Oh, it, it was so realistic how they how they portrayed this. And um, oh, right. This is what Ali was going to say. Um, because Longest Nana was image ever, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's. There we go. Um, because Nana was actually pregnant. Um, some of the scenes over the course of that season, you see uh, the physical toll it's it's having on her. Um, there's that wonderfully awkward scene where uh, O'Brien is giving her a massage. <laughs> um, that is one of the weirdest scenes in all of Star Trek. I'm just going to say, yeah, it's it's out there, and they both feel so <laughs> uncomfortable by it. But they're you, you know they're, it's it's yeah it's 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 out there. Um, but you, because it was actual real pregnancy, you see the the toll it's really having on um, on Kira and on Nana, which I, I think is great. But um, you know, this image features the other storyline I wanted to bring up, which is um, um, Keiko and O'Brien. So um, mm -hmm. a thread here in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine is that Keiko gave up her career as a botanist on the Enterprise um, uh, for um, uh, for O'Brien and, and really for their relationship and supporting O'Brien's goals. And um, this, this very big promotion that he got from being chief of the transporter to chief of the entire starbase. Um, and um, it's, it's a, it's a thread that does play out where Keiko says, you know, I thought it would be enough for me to come here and support your goals. And it's not enough. Like I, I, I need to do something here. I've made the sacrifice for us and mm -hmm. for our relationship, but I, I, I need to do something for myself. So she tries to start the school, which is then targeted, um, uh, it, Attacked. By radical Bajoran fundamentalists. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that provisional government, boy, 
Um, that government is very provisional. It's, it's one long provision. That's what yes. <laughs> um, and eventually, um, Keiko is kind of written off the show because she becomes a botanist, um, again and is, uh, is going off to Bajor. But why I, why I like this relationship is it's one of the only times in Star Trek where you see a marriage, um, really develop and change over, over time. The only other examples you really have of that are also um, mostly Star Trek Deep Space Nine, maybe Torres and Perez and Star Trek Voyager. But um, you see the sacrifices they are both making for each other. Um, Keiko has made a big sacrifice to support O'Brien's career. And then O'Brien makes a sacrifice, too, to support Keiko's career and becoming a botanist and being away for very long periods of time. Um, and you see the effect that that has on him. So it's great to see the real types of challenges that um, any relationship goes through. I mean, every relationship you deal with making sacrifices uh, for in at, at different times and for different reasons. And I, I love that Keiko and O'Brien show that. Yeah. Uh, someone mentioned... Uh, Heidi mentioned Admiral Cornwell in Discovery, where kind of hopscotch, which is again an ultimate sacrifice kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, yes, very sacrificial. Uh, I sent you another. I was thinking long term, and then I sent you another one, and I don't think I've seen anybody mention it in the. Maybe someone did. I don't think I've seen anyone mention it in the chat. We're and in a Delta Quadrant. Yeah, it it yeah. took me to a place I usually don't go here with my you know my shipping. Because um, it usually costs extra. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I, it comes back. They they play with it. We get horrible holodeck shows for it. But Janeway, she gave yeah. up. Her, yeah, her she lost her fiance. It wasn't. I mean, was it a sacrifice? But the way she chose to conduct herself and the crew and the ship operations, once they knew they were separated, and they was going to take oh seventy years. She could have con- gone down the equinox path. She could have gone yes. down even other easier paths. But yes. the path she chose of keeping them in the Starfleet way. Oh, air quotes for everybody who can only see my blue S. <laughs> yeah, um, we couldn't see that. <laughs> I'm still playing to a camera, even though nobody knows it. Uh, <laughs> she's keeping the she's keeping that framework going. But what that means for her personally is she's going to be the married to the ship captain. Even yeah. as she's a healthy woman in the prime of her life, and she has these, you know, occasionally strange holodeck dalliances, whether it's, you know, gothic woman or it's pioneer woman or well, the pioneer woman never came out, or or it's Irish town woman. Um, but when she flirts with that one totalitarian leader, um, you know, or or oh yeah, times, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah that's a great, um, yeah, that's or great. She, or she's I, like being killed by Q, but uh, you know she, that can she can you know fight off or whatever. But uh, so I, uh, I like I like this perspective, Larry. Um, I, I was thinking she, of uh, I was thinking about a huge hunk of her of her you know her sexual health, her mental health to maintain that balance to be the captain. You know, even more so than Picard or Kirk ever had. Well, not Kirk, but Picard ever did. You know, I mean they they deny that self denial. Um, and, yeah, and she's younger and uh, was feeling it more strongly. Yeah, I, I think, I think um, um, th- this is a, a 
an interesting angle for us to explore. Um, I was I was too thinking one to bring this one up, but I I thought of that. Well, I was thinking of Janeway. I was thinking about Janeway, and I was thinking about um, Janeway doesn't take uh, the the sh- the shortcuts. She doesn't go down the path of the equinox. She doesn't. Uh, I mean, they they just. There's many times where she could make a decision that would lead them to compromise their values, um, comprom- compromise the prime directive, compromise the omega directive, for that matter, too. Um, they could compromise um, who they are and their identity. And she doesn't take that path. And it's usually a harder path that Janeway takes. But this angle that you're bringing up, too, that she does compromise um, her own personal well-being. Um, she's not in a relationship. She is in a relationship with her ship and, and the mission. Um, that is... Um, that's an interesting angle, and um, I've heard these rumors on on the internet. Um, the internet is a place full of, of rumors. But a recent yeah. some, someone recently brought up um, a theory that is is Janeway really playing? Um, it was Kate Mulgrew playing the character as if um, she does have a mental illness as a result of of all of these different things. And I've kind of been thinking about that, and I have. I have mixed mixed feelings what? about it, but I I do think we see examples in Voyager where this definitely takes a toll on her. Um, the most clear example now, Larry. I always confuse. Oh, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Are they talking about some kind of lifetime onset mental illness? Are they talking about as a result of the trauma of separation? Well, that's where that's where I I don't have much clarity. Um, um, was well, it was your phrase that article. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was um, a theory I, I um, saw that um, was Kate Mulgrew playing Janeway as if she had bipolar disorder, um, bipolar depression. And I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, the article didn't really sell me on it because bipolar disorder is usually something that um, has an onset earlier in life. It has an onset in your late teens or your early 20s is really where you're going to see examples of it happening. But I could see someone who's functioning well and Mm -hmm. then is thrown into the Delta Quadrant and under immense stress, then their functioning really declines. And then you might start to see more of the problems. And... um, I think there's there are examples in Voyager where we really see the cumulative effect that um, that Janeway is having. Like she she has no peer to really commiserate to. Who is she going to go talk to about uh, the decision she made with Tuvix? Who is she going to talk to about the decision she made with the Equinox? Um, with the caretaker, for that matter, um, she. She doesn't have a peer, a companion to really get that type of support. Chakotay tries, and she does kind of keep him at an arm's length. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, then Chakotay refuses to learn his lines. So, you know, that kind of is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that. So um, I don't know what folks are thinking in um, in the comments section. Um Risk is our big business, says Cairo. And uh, um, 
Okay, I think I think folks are going in lots of different directions. So <laughs> let me go in. Oh, uh, Cairo says, uh, uh, Harry Kim sacrifices a nice life at Starfleet in San Francisco to yeah. get back to his life in Voyager, um, or on Voyager in Non Sequitur. Um, that's, yep. uh, yeah, I really like that episode. Right ahead um, of that one, Richard says, uh, in the movies, the big, he thinks the biggest sacrifice is a 20th century marine biologist giving up her life to go live with yeah. her whales 100 years down the line. There be wells here. Um, <laughs> oh, please drink for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and Wesley too. Let's. Um, Scott brings up Wesley. Right. That's and, the other one I was looking for. Yes. Yeah. Um, Wesley, I think a few at a few different points. So not only in the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth. Not only <laughs> that, but um, he really steps away from his whole career. And Starfleet, um, uh, by uh, is it Journey's End? Is that the episode of uh, the yes. Next Generation? No, yeah. the, uh, no, no, not Journey's End. Uh, the First Duty. Well, the First Duty, yes, but then um, he steps away from Starfleet in. Um, and oh, to go re- off with the Traveler. To yeah. go off with the Traveler, right? Yes, you're right. Um, you're right. And that's Journey's End, right? I'm sorry. I'm a dis. Yes, it is. I'm a disembodied yeah. s. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep up. Okay. Disembodied s. Uh, that was. It. We did not lose our ex- our, our clean tag. We are not explicit. That was an s hey, from the s continuum. We are, <laughs> we are. We are two letters better than the q continuum. <laughs> or behind, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. The S continuum. I I love that. Um, Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, composure. Let me get some composure here. Um, (laughs) It's my favorite composure. Okay. Uh, (laughs) You know, I'm just thinking, though, there should have been a sequel to The First Duty, which could have been called The First Sacrifice, and it could have been just, you know, Wesley ghosted by everybody at the academy. <laughs> what do you do to a stupid code? See, and I think Michael Piller could have let uh, young young Ron write that because they fought over whether I think we mentioned this earlier. It was a K factor or something, but they fought over whether uh, Wesley would ever be the one to actually own up or whether they would solve the mystery without him. Mm. And Michael said, no, no, you've got to do this for the greater good of the character. And you can't have Wesley lie. It would ruin him as a character. And Ron finally agreed as older Ron. But there was still, he's right, though, there was still in the moment had to be huge fallout. I mean, those those three people, they were all going to be punished. But he would be punished worse because those three and a big chunk of the cadet corps probably would have shunned him after that so yeah which picard uh picard or boothby i forget who i think it was picard picard um, at the end like the first sacrifice uh yeah Um, first dude if if things were more serialized maybe um but then if they were more serialized larry you would have a real you'd have to have a really long episode title name like um Mm -hmm. The sacrifices we made for the ones we have wronged uh, will vanquish us, or something like that. I don't Dark know. Of night. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. But Cairo, Cairo's got a nice uh, little quippy comment here. Um, the first duty to Starfleet is uh, the first duty of Starfleet officers to the truth, unless you're Spock. The end of Disco season two. Um, we could make a, we could have a debate there about that. I think. Um, and uh, yes, it came. You know, one of my one of my great joys with Star Trek um, Discovery season three is seeing how some of the other decisions they might have made early on in season one and two are now playing out in season three and it's kind of biting them in the butt a little bit mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. whole like secrecy idea and then they show up at starfleet and starfleet's like we have no record of who you are who the I'm heck sorry. are you yeah, we yeah. Have, you are not in our files i came um, to see you before you could digitized i'm sorry you're not in our files we're looking at our pad here and this pad is all history of all knowledge in the universe because it's a 30 second century it's also a transporter it's also a replicator it's also a warp drive and there's no <laughs> record of you in here so just sorry in fact, we even, why do we even build buildings and ships anymore <laughs> yeah yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just everything <laughs> we all this is all a holodeck actually because we all yeah. actually exist as programs now it's the 32nd century yeah this is the only downside is like um we are all programmable matter yeah. <laughs> we're all pro- <laughs> <laughs> we are all programmable better. Um, that's going to be the finale. Um, actually, it's that's the big reveal in the season. Is they're all just programmable matter. There's no living life forms anymore. Everyone died out after the burn. Um, anyways, um, I, I, I was uh, we we're talking about Wesley and um, and yeah, he, he sac- it, it, There's a big consequence in terms of just his friendships and loneliness and the isolation that he makes that he's going to have as a result of that. Uh, there's one more example. Oh, there's there's two more I want to share. Hey, he's back, folks. He is back. We got some. We got we got a little Larry Nemechek back. Um, I don't know how good the camera is, but you know what? I found out that I just learned an interesting lesson here, that if you click the camera icon on your Skype window... <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's been, it's been so long. I just, oh, my gosh. Larry's... It must have been a long week. Or... Now, I still can't. I still can't. I had a lot of suggestions from people. <laughs> I, I did not update to Big Sur, everybody. So uh, still in Catalina, but but Skype is not letting me give it eyeglasses. So I don't know. But I think oh. I'm still very. I'm almost about to say when you when we take the break to go to what's the next part of the show called, Doctor? It's Counselor's Log. Counselor's Log. When we take the break to Counselor's Log, I might dip out and come back in. Either sure. On, I almost want to try ecam again, but I, that might be a step too far. Sure, sure. I'll. So you want me to boot you out after after we get you back on? You're asking, and your audio is good. You want me to boot boot you out? That's, is that what I, you're asking? I know, I know I can be, I, but I'm. It's very laggy. I've been watching. I'm. It's laggier than usual. It's. I don't know what happened after. Folks, we really do come on and test ahead of time. We do. <laughs> and we do. Fine. I mean, Scott's saying you look and sound better than usual. So uh, I don't know if you want to just ride this out. Um, but uh, there's two. I'll, I'll let you think about it. There's two more examples I want to share. Okay. Um, oh, the show. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what a concept. Okay. Um, all right. So let's um, um, 
uh, yes, that, um, this. So uh, there's two examples I want to share. So uh, I want to talk about Zial because we have an episode called Sacrifice of the Angels. This is the episode where um, Cisco and crew uh, on the Defiant take back the station. Um, uh, the 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 minefield goes down. The prophets destroy the whole fleet of the Dominion ships that are coming in, and um, but but before that, Cisco and the Defiant are prepared to enter. They enter the wormhole, thinking that they're going to take on that entire fleet of Dominion ships. Meanwhile, on the station, there is um, there's a bit of a, a of a revolt. Zial helps. Uh, Kira and I think Rom and Lita and a few other people escape, I think. And then uh, Zial reveals to Dukat that she helped them escape. And Dukat's like, why? But before anything could happen, um, Damar uh, takes Zial out and then like mm-hmm. walks away. So, um, Sacrifice of the Angels. Um, who sacrificed? Um, are we talking about Zial? Or are we talking about the prophets? What are we talking about, Larry? We're talk- yes. <laughs> yes, that's why it's called the sacrifice of angels. And by angels, we mean Zial. That's, that's why it's not called that. So, No, it's metaphorical. There's two or three levels. And now you've got me because those are the main two levels of the show. I'm thinking there's one or two more. Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking the, about it. Because, at, I mean, at the end, it, it might be... All the people that actually die, the alliance here, how many people die in the effort to, to retake Deep Space Nine? That might be the other sacrifice. And then also how many, um, uh, how much life is lost on the Dominion side as well? Because when, um, uh, Martok says, you know, I've got a barrel of the, the greatest blood wine. We will share it on the promenade. <laughs> and then, when they actually get to the promenade, and and Martok's like, "Hmm, drink," and then um, the Starfleet admiral and and Cisco like pour out the wine. Yeah. They don't even drink it. Don't feel um, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think there is this sense of so much was lost in that episode, and maybe like uh, was this needless loss of life? Um, I don't know. But um, we know a lot of people died that day. Um, your your coffee pot's very Starfleet, very twenty second, twenty third century Starfleet, by the way. You know, I got it from the same store it's, it's not, that it's they not as angular. Yeah, I got it from the same store that you get Starfleet uh, mashed potato equipment. Um, if you are making mashed potatoes um, on the Star Trek Enterprise, Starfleet. Uh, <laughs> On uh, the Enterprise 1701A, if you're going out to, uh, uh, you know, overcome uh, the fall of the If you have a late 23rd century recipe, then yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, Zial, I think, is one to bring up because Zial is... um, She she helps her her, her friends, and I think she does it because she... They're the only ones... Who have really cared for her and that she feels connected to. I mean, Ducat left her, um, left her basically to die um, on whatever planet that was, and he's trying now to have some connection with her, but um, she really feels quite alienated from her Cardassian roots, 
And um, I think that's why she's willing to do so much for her friends. I'm just trying to think that wouldn't they all feel alienated? But okay, from a human perspective, but okay. Sure. Yeah. Because they're aliens. They're aliens, right. From a certain point of view. I said from a human perspective. I had my ass covered. Come on. Come on. I did. (laughs) Which after Um, the way today is gone is something. Yeah. The last one, um, now I got everyone talking about blood wine and mashed potatoes. Now it feels like a Thanksgiving. That's a novel I want to watch. Yeah. I want to see that as a holiday. (laughs) Blood wine and mashed potatoes. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Cairo. It's a Cairo says, um, Cairo says I made a mistake here. Um, the pouring out of the blood wine is not that episode. It's the season seven, uh, finale. Um, well, you, you set it up. There's the yeah. setup, and then they pay it off, and the payoff is in the finale. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. They said, "Hey, yeah, kids, yeah, you're yeah. both right." Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the last last example I had, Larry, is um, Neelix. Um, is is Neelix making a sacrifice, going along with the Voyager, moving forward, leaving his home, leaving the life that he's known? Getting I, past the point of exploration that he's he's made. I just thought he was. I don't know. I just thought he was such a <laughs> a talaxian. Uh, I say such that? a talaxian. Such a I was going to say he's got such a talaxian ADHD. No, I mean like he's just pinging. I mean he's <laughs> traumatized as a we. You figure out in his you know overly friendly way that he's been traumatized as a kid by the losing his family. So the fact that he's like been bouncing around, he's got, you know, he doesn't have roots. That's why yeah. I, I, my God, I've never pontificated on this before, but it just hit me. That's why homecoming is such a big thing for him. And I guess they talk about in the episode, but I mean, you know, you keep, you kept meeting his old Talaxian, you know, two or three times you'd see his old Talaxian friends. He's a merch, they beat him. He's a merch, he's a rabble rousing merch. He just had found casts on this. That explains a lot. It's my girlfriend that I found yesterday. Can she come too? There's a recipe for stability. But, that does uh, actually explain a lot. But I mean, but it's like, aside from everybody like, oh God, the Neelix, he's just, you know, he's the big teddy bear. Well, he's the big teddy bear with problems. But he'd, he'd been one of these bouncing around his whole life people, you know, not really attached yeah. to anything, looking for the thing. So I don't see it as a sacrifice. I see it as that's just his latest um, um, flipper move in you know, his pinball yeah. game. Just yeah. latest you know, ping bounce. Um, Karen says uh, he needed to be needed, which I I think is a good way to kind of describe. Karen. Yeah. Shout out to Karen, my, my old friends from Oklahoma City. Yay, Karen, who a lot of people hey, know from. Karen. Karen. Um, <laughs> I like I like Glenn. Uh, Blood white and mashed potatoes sounds like something Kelsey Grammer should sing as Captain uh, Bastion to the tune of Fraser and <laughs> Bateson. Thank you, thank you, Bateson. That's okay. Uh, for, for five, I said Bateman instead of Bateson, but yeah, Bateman. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think now if I remember the theme. Do 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 do. No, that's not it. Now I'm doing do something do? for the fifty. I'm trying to do the Fraser uh, uh, end theme. Oh. Um, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not my boy. That's the only part I remember. <laughs> um, Oh, man. Okay. Um, 
Well, those are all the examples I had. Uh, Larry, is there anything else you want to you want to bring up for for this before we go to the counselor's log or any? No, um... I was going to say I was really trying to think of a lower decks ongoing sacrifice. And yeah, I mean, uh, me too. The big one, is, the big obvious Spock like when his shacks at the end gives his life for the crew. But again, I was trying to stay away from these you know life and death sacrifices and go on with an oh, ongoing. You, you had a Picard one. Uh, Larry, did oh, you yeah, want to talk yeah, about yeah, yes. yeah. Put the Picard up. Because it was more than one dimension. It struck me that Rat. this is... Look at that uh, lens flare. Yeah. Raffi, we think about Raffi and her son, but Raffi gave, in the pursuit of Picard, she keeps sacrificing things for Picard. She gives up her family life on this mission that blows up on them. It, you know, she gets nothing out of it in the end when the, when the Romulan rescue mission blows up and then she sacrifices her one of her oldest best friendships yeah. to help Picard out yeah. on this quest don't ever call me again so I you know she's just but then she's just a sacrifice magnet I mean no wonder she's a walking you know um, I, you probably have some better terms than you know like attic magnet or something but yes uh, we do <laughs> I was hoping you did <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rafi, uh, Rafi is going through a lot, and um, we know well, that, she has a. V- that's awful, safe counselor talk, isn't it? <laughs> I gotta Rafi. ease myself into it. Gotta ease yes, into. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like, how'd you like my play, kids? It was interesting. I mean, that's you know. <laughs> um, I, I mean, so. Rafi definitely has a strong connection to Picard and is willing to do so many things for him. And we get the impression that he has definitely been there for her on many occasions, as is probably the case with Picard and Riker. Like we haven't we haven't seen their relationship develop. We haven't seen what they've done for each other. But there's a clear, um, clear suggestion of that. And she's she's willing to do so many different things for him um including uh, sacrificing these friendships and um you know Rafi uh, I, I think is is struggling with that she's struggling with the emotions and thoughts that uh come up with the, the decisions she's made and how she has probably alienated herself from so many different people i mean i th- i think the story of picard of, of star trek picard not jean-luc picard is of these people who don't have the connections that they used to and are now so struggling being alienated, whether it's seven or whether it is um, quite literally with the XBs not having the connection to the Borg, um, or if it's Jean-Luc or if it is Rafi, a lot of these characters are alienated and uh, are really mm-hmm. struggling with that loneliness that they're, they're going through. Oh, Rios. <laughs> Rios. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rios is another uh, strong example of that. Reading really fatalistic philosophy, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do with all the mashed potatoes and blood wine? Um, okay, so let's... Uh, let's. Uh, oh, uh, Larry, um, before we jump into the counselor's log, while we have everyone still, I haven't scared anyone away, um, let's talk about Star Trek oh, First Contact and our, and our, our watch-along. Um, we should do... The, uh, well, yeah, we could, do the, we could do it now, too, yes. Yeah, let's talk about this uh, right now. I, part of my evening last night was doing that yeah there we go so hey everybody we're finally doing it now 
bear with me. We are taking Saturday off. Uh, for some reason, Ali thinks he needs a family weekend holiday. What a concept. Maybe I'll consider doing it, too. <laughs> so we, are, we won't be here next Saturday. We'll be back here the Saturday after that. But to compensate for missing Saturday, we're finally going to do our first contact watch along. And I know, and then it's like, well, the so much of Thanksgiving is a draw as a drawn out holiday. Um, we've only got tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. People are traveling. People are into Thursday, and then the holiday is long. So the weekend is long. So we're doing it on Tuesday. We did a poll on the board, and although a lot of people went different directions, uh, the two o'clock window, which is still accessible by the Europeans um, comfortably. That's the that was the winning one, so that's what we went with, and we realized that we won't get everybody with us, but uh, we'll record it and have yep. a lot of fun. It's a, it's a full. And you can always hour. rewatch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, to get all those great insights, um, and the joke of the time. But they'll have the chat. We'll have that. Everybody, come. We'll post if you need the help. If you don't already ha- somehow, if you don't have your own discs. Or you don't have access to either Netflix or CBS All Access. Um, I'll have to check that. And probably other places, too. So uh, it's not the insurrection problem. So you find your own. It's BYOM. Bring your own media. (laughs) And then uh, Ali and I will do this, although hopefully I will really be there. Um, And uh, we'll we'll have the chat going. We'll talk. It'll be just like now, and we'll all be watching uh, the movie on our own devices. Uh, yeah, I think like last time, there are a couple of free options as well. I'm just looking it up right now. Pluto TV and Crackle seem to be some free options. Um, looks like you may have Amazon... commercials. You may have to like yeah. zip through if you can. If yeah. not, you'll get further and further behind. But okay. Um, Amazon Prime seems to have it, um, and we're sure it's on CBS All Access, Larry. Um, I think it's on CBS All Access. Well, they've they've integrated. I thought it was. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Oh. That's that. Was, I'm, I'm I'm checking it now just to make sure. Hopefully, it won't auto play Star Trek Discovery while I'm I here. Going to, uh, <laughs> there's an app called that I use called Just Watch that's good for finding where things are, all the options, pay and free. First, and someone's going to. And I'm on yeah, my pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. It's on CBS All Access. Um, okay. They've been, been adding, you know, since the mer- the re- the reconciliation. Right. Before it becomes Paramount Plus, is that what it's going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, It'll for sure uh, be there then. And let me see if it's on uh, Netflix as well. Um, not sure if it's on on Netflix. But anyways... Back to the show. We'll we'll uh, we'll make another announcement um, on our uh, Facebook group. And if you're not yet a part of our Facebook group, um, the the link to it is right up there. Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/life-support-live. That'll get you to us, and uh, we'll have more specifics uh, right over there. So, um, without further ado, let's go into the uh, counselor's log. Okay. I'm going um, to, uh, I'm going to, if it's good, I'm going to try, I'm going to get out of here and try the, uh, the Ecamm link. Or okay. should I just keep this and try the Ecamm link? And, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get out. I think okay. I can get back in. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll um, just, use I'll, the same don't link. Don't mind I, me. <laughs> use the same link I sent you before and it should be right. fine. Right. Um, okay. Okay. We'll see you soon. Hopefully, Larry.
so while Larry is doing his Larry things, um, I want to dive into the counselor's log a little bit, folks. And it turns out that um, a lot, a lot of the research here on um, personal sacrifice really comes from um, there's there's a lot of this research from uh, couples, from couple research. And, All right. Um, Can you hear me? I hear you, Larry. You're back on. Do you have any laggy, latent? Uh, I don't have that static that I had from you. Um, no, I'm not hearing any static on your end. Okay. Um, we will so, see what's the. Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll see what uh, folks have to say about about this. Um, I do hear a bit more sensitivity from your mic, um, but uh, yeah, other and, than that, uh, as in I should turn volume down or what? Maybe if you can turn the gain down on your mic, that might be good. Okay, um, Christoph is I saying have. Larry's even better now, so that's good. If um, that's even possible. <laughs> okay. We've just set such a high bar today, Larry. Um, I'll let Apparently you play so. with your settings while uh, while I'm um, going into counselor's lock. So yeah, a lot of the uh, there's some really interesting research from sacrifices as they relate to relationships um, and how people perceive that. So getting in sacrifice, it's really when you are um, you're doing something for someone else's benefit that is coming at your own expense in some way, whether it's an emotional expense, physical expense, financial expense, doesn't really matter. But like the question then becomes, why? Why do we make these sacrifices? Why do we do these things for other people? And there's there's a lot of things that have been outlined in, in research that really show this. Um, show why we make these sacrifices, things like being very committed to another person, things like thinking about um, the long term and how this might really um, uh, benefit you in the long term. Um, we know culture has an impact here, and this is um, we're seeing this for better and worse right now in the United States. We know that in more individualistic countries where it's more about individuals and not about community, um, you see a, a little bit less, uh, it's a little bit harder to make sacrifices for other people as opposed to more collectivistic cultures where it's much more about the group and what's, what's in the best interest of us. It's not about me, it's about us. And I think, Larry, that's part of some of the challenges we have in relation to public health right now in the United States. Um, it's hard to get people thinking about the greater good and your larger community as opposed to you and your rights and your freedoms and all of that sort of stuff. So we know culture has a part in, in sacrifice as well. But a lot of this seems to come down to um, a, a reciprocal indebtedness that we do things for other people. We make these sacrifices um, because we have a sense that um, it's good for us in, in some way, whether it might be in the near future or the long-term future, whether we're making personal sacrifices for our academic careers, uh, for we're studying really hard now, we're not, doing, we're not going out and hanging out with our friends because we're studying so that we can have this better future, or if it's you, you might be making a decision to go to Deep Space Nine for your husband's career, um, but you know that this is better for your marriage, that he's going to be happy, and that um, 
this is a lot more opportunity for your family as a result of this move um, that this is going to in some way benefit you later on down the road that seems to be a big part of, of sacrificing here however one of the things I was really interested uh, or I was really surprised by is motivation seems to make a big a big difference and I think this is a big part of understanding Worf and will have a big impact on on my away mission for later this week or later this episode so um, it seems to make a big difference if your motivation to make your sacrifice is about something um, you perceive as a gain versus something that you you are just avoiding so I know that is a little confusing here but um, if you perceive it as a gain, like I'm going to make the sacrifice, but it's for the love of this other person, or it's actually going to be really good for our friendship. Um, it's going to make the other person happy, and that's going to make me happy. Um, or this is going to make me feel really good, like I'm doing something good for someone else. Um, or they're really going to appreciate and be grateful. The, making sacrifices for those reasons is actually tied to a lot, a lot of good things, a lot of good outcomes. On the other hand, making sacrifices to avoid conflict, making sacrifices um, to just so the other person doesn't get upset, um, making sacrifices so you don't feel guilty, making sacrifices so that the other person doesn't get angry, um, making sacrifices. Um, uh, just because you feel uncomfortable and, and you don't want to say otherwise, those things have actually been linked to pretty bad outcomes. So um, I experienced I was say, this. This week. is this is all sounding like not to open up a can of worms. This is all sounding like one way sacrifice or what is that Code, uh, codependency or whatever you want to whatever the current terminology is. Yeah, if well, you're sacrificing um, for nothing in return, you perceive right. a return, but you're not actually getting it. Then that's on you, right? Well, and 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 this is where power comes into play. Like if you're in a relationship with another person and you're making these sacrifices, and you feel like you have no power in the relationship or you have no other options, mm -hmm. um, that's that's not a good thing. Um, and this is where I think we we can think about Worf. So Worf makes these sacrifices. And it's not so he can avoid conflict with the Klingons. That's not why he makes these sacrifices. He's making sacrifices because he believes in the Empire. He believes in, um, in the security, the safe, um, continued functioning of the Klingon Empire. That's why he makes these sacrifices. Earlier this week, Larry, my wife and I were sitting down after a long day. Um, our daughter was finally uh, asleep and we we're gonna watch uh, we're very excited to watch the new season of the crown it's it's kind of our end of year show that we watch yeah yeah season four oh my god Margaret Thatcher wow and Princess Di it's it's really wonderfully acted Jillian Anyways. Taylor as Margaret Thatcher Jillian that's a shout out to our chat today Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, that's a surprising uh, coincidence there. Um, and, um, you know, my wife said something, and she, um, and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I didn't react. 
And I mean, I tried not to, but she saw my face a little bit, and she's like, "What did that? Did that? Uh, did that upset you?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine." And so I was in that moment making a sacrifice by not sharing how I really feel, with the hopes that I would avoid conflict, so we can just start watching the show. Well. I didn't do a good job of hiding it, and it just kind of kept bubbling up inside me, and it played out in conflict later on down the road. So a lot of sacrifices we might make to avoid problems lead to really bad outcomes. Whereas avoid problems, right? Right. Sacrifices we make for um, something we we desire. Um, in terms of making someone else feel good, um, in terms of it's going to make them happy, that's going to make me happy. Like that's that's like is related to better outcomes. And I think it's Worf is a good example of this. Um, Worf makes these sacrifices because he believes in this thing. Um, anyways, uh, Scott says, uh, "Love the Crown. Um, it is a wonderfully done show." Um, that's my. That's my counselor's log, and um, I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna circle back to this with a, a what, how to actually apply this to our own lives in in a, in a moment. But uh, I want to turn it over to you, Larry, with the K three. Wow, I shrunk the grade three factor back. Well, I don't know how I did that, uh, but you know, just Larry, because I people people aren't uh, paying attention to the original series, but you don't have to like personify it. So let's just shrink the original series to insignificance. <laughs> no, well, you're, that was that was a great lead-in because you were talking about, um, uh, well, for everybody who's new to the show, new to us this week, uh, K3 Factor is my corner to kind of echo what um, Dr. Ali's talking about here, but take it or turn it around to a, you know, to a Trekland-style deep dive like we do in everything I do. Uh, so this topic of personal sacrifice... I was thinking, oh, my God, well, the Star Trek real world is is rife with personal sacrifice. Just people working in television in general, in motion pictures, but especially television, they sacrifice an awful lot to do that for their career, for the... St- if, once you get into, say, even a, uh, one of the guilds, uh, the grips and the lighting guys, I mean, once you're into a Hollywood guild, you're pretty set for life unless you really mess it up. You know, but you're talking about, and I talked to so many people from the different thing, uh, the different areas over the years. People who are, whether they're designers or they're a stage crew people in different ways, you're talking about potentially 16 hour days for eight or nine or 10 months of the year. Now, the new wave of the short shows means, oh, it's only 10 or 12 episodes. But still, people are making cinematic TV. We were talking about shooting. The Star Trek series, you know, from April to February for 10 episodes or 12 episodes, which is insane. So it's still there. My point here is that working on a TV show, especially one like Star Trek, movies are bigger, but they're at least more contained and they go, you go and come back. But TV is really takes a toll on your health. You're standing on concrete. If you're not sitting down, you're eating junk food, although that's gotten better over the years too. Uh, you know, all day long at the craft service table when it's not actually lunch or dinner. And especially on your relationships, on your family. Scott Bakula, very famously, people wondered why he would not do fan things for the until the show was over. The show was canceled before he did a convention for the first time. Right. Because he had done a lot of that during Quantum Leap 
and he blames that for ruining his first marriage. I, you wow. know, it's Whether that's in or not. But anyway, he's divorced, and Chelsea is his partner now. It's his second wife. But he and he doesn't go on. Scott's doesn't, you know. He's a he also doesn't go on and on about his personal life, but he's he keeps that the vest, but close to the vest. But he blamed that for his, uh, for his for losing his first marriage. But that's you know typical. You could say, gee, I don't know whether Gene's marriage, Roddenberry's marriage, was troubled to begin with, but certainly the original series didn't do anything for that. Bob Justman basically wound up almost having a nervous breakdown by the time he quit during the third season, regretfully, because it was just taking, he was doing too much. 60s producers did five times what they do now. He was doing everything. I keep finding a new thing that Bob Justin was doing, and his title was only associate producer. It's like, that's Mary Richards on the news at WJM-TV. I mean, associate producers are people that are like uncle's nephew that work on the show. I mean, now. But... I, and I'm so oh, I say that there's lots of associate producers on Picard and Discovery. I'm not insulting anybody, but what I'm saying is it was insane that Bob Justman's title was only associate producer, and he was picking the composer. I mean, he was running posts. He was looking at scripts. So there are lots of sacrifices over the years by actors, by crew people, especially because they don't get the glory. They hopefully get a nice stable union job with benefits, and hopefully, you know. And then for the two months, they see their wife and kids, if that's what they're doing. So in all that, your lead up into this talking about your personal experience last week, mm. I just, I'm going to make it personal here. It was like a dream job when we get to L.A. It's as much about Star Trek as just having the stability of, of a union security and having medical benefits, especially in the 90s. But when we moved to L.A., it was great that, Janet went from working temp at Star Trek to a full-time job that she had for five years. And you can put up the first the first K3 that I sent you. So this is like um, if you've got the real first one in the black sweater. Yep, it's coming. There we go. It's coming. Make it bigger. Um, this is like a month. This is like from November 94. And... Um... Oh, okay, there we go. So anyway, it, she's got a busy desk, but it's not too cluttered. She's got call sheets on the bulletin board. Anyway, it's, you know, um, but if you flash forward about four or five years, especially working on a Voyager where Brandon is the showrunner, not Jerry Taylor, and it's a little spastic, um, it, was, it was just kind of uh, overwhelming. It took a real toll, especially because we had younger, we had grade school kids at home. And this is as the same office. Yeah, that's the same office. Let me put them side by side. Uh, People can see the difference here. Yeah, it's Heart 104. Let's see. Come on, image. There we go. Yeah, have we had. Are you sure you want to stretch the tech capacities of. I know, I know. I'm really. Uh, are you sure you really want to get this right? today? Slightly yeah. different angle, but there you go. A lovely hard yeah. building with a with a floor heater and an old rick, old rickety air conditioner at the top there in the window. But and I say it takes a toll, but um, it was it was in hours. And the thing about the way Bra- the DS Nine people were out at six, but the writers on Voyager, led by Brandon, would would do rewrites at night, and they kept. They kept Lolita and Janet both on, around. She would be there well past six. A lot of times she would be there till nine or ten. 
And a lot of times she'd be there to nine or ten, and somebody would say, Brandon would call and say, "Okay, uh, go ahead and go on home." She'd sit there for two or three hours for nothing, thinking they might do work. And then the you know, the, the boys, the writers, go, "Ah, oh, I guess we're not going to do this tonight." But they kept some of the staff. There were probably down the chain because they had the, the print shop would be open. They somebody in the print, and that was like its own entity. So somebody over there was hanging around for two or three hours. So it's just a very personal thing we did. In fact, my favorite story is, if you want to put up that third one, this was her bulletin board. Yeah, the bulletin board. Everybody has a bulletin board or you have a in your cubicle, you know, or whatever. So Janet had a small office. And uh, it's just kind of, I just took this to take it. It'll take it a while to settle in. But, you know, it's filled in with, uh, you know, know, memos and work things and call sheets and start date lists and all that and cartoons. But she's got things of the kids up here, and um, that's the thing. Oh, by the way, here's the here's the Jerry Taylor era script covers for first drafts and <laughs> and covered every other season. First, even uh, odd numbered seasons, even numbered seasons, finals, and for, anyway, um, and a season's worth of call sheets up there. But the biggest to, to this day, she will say those three or four years. She missed. She feels like she missed out on the kids' evenings a lot of times. Yeah. Now they yeah. they're they're fine, but she has this guilt that those formative years of like late grade school years that she missed out. And every once in a while she's down. She goes, "Oh, but I missed out on the kids' lives." And I'm like, "You did not miss out on the kids' lives." And I don't want to be condescending, and she obviously didn't, but she feels she carries that around. So that's why she that and a few other things. It was getting insane. She finally, you know, this dream job she left after five years because it was taking such a toll and she was driving her crazy and for several reasons. So, yes, people give up sacrifices for something they think is cool, for the greater good, for stability even. We, we got health insurance just fine. It, was, it cost a lot more. But, I mean, you know, so you're giving sacrifices up, but at some point maybe it's time to give up the sacrifice. And Janet, just like all kinds of people at all levels... You know, um, uh, it takes a toll there. So that's that's there's a case of there's your there's your K three for this week. Uh, uh, I love that K three, and because I I guess uh, I mean this is where we're coming to with this episode is uh, and and life support live in general. It's it's about Star Trek, but it's also about us, and it's about how these things can help us. And uh, the thing about making these sacrifices is uh, oftentimes we do it. Because we we are we either feel a debt um, to the other person, or we feel like it, it we are going to get a benefit from this in the future. And it sounds like Janet got to a place where it. it I, yeah, go ahead. It wasn't worth. It. I left out the punchline story. So one night yeah. she's sitting there, and James is like adamant. He's like he's missing. Mom. He's I don't know. He's in third, fourth or fifth grade. And he's calling her, going, Mom, come home. What are you doing? Which is just eating her up, right? He's like, yeah. I'll be there. We're waiting. We're waiting on pages. We're waiting on pages. Maybe, you know, Brad. And he's We're like, waiting. He's like, they're they're doing this episode called Threshold. I don't know. They're taking a long time. Very, very <laughs> important. Very important. But James goes, he says, like, Mom, come home now. She goes, James, I'll come home when Brandon lets me come home. And James goes, put Brandon on the phone. I want to talk to Brandon myself. <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome, which is now a great story we tell over the years. And I think one night she was like, Brandon, I have James on line two for you. 
Oh my gosh! <laughs> and she, one night, I mean, he—that's only like one time. I'm not saying this is a recurring story. Yeah, yeah. And I may be embellishing a little bit, but I think somehow he got on the line with them and said, "Brandon, I'm real." I said, "James, I'm really sorry. I need your mom just a little bit longer." Whether he did or not. <laughs> anyway, I just—I'll never forget that. Put Brandon on the line. I'll talk to him myself. Love it. So the sacrifice. I mean, and that's also such we a grew up kid very thing. self-aware. Kid, huh? Yeah, it's a it's kid such thing. a kid. Thing. Kids are like, I don't care who who that person is. Like, they're getting in the way of me and my mom. <laughs> and Brandon yeah. has no, you know, significant other or kids, but has parents. You know, parents with with parent relationships with baggage, which he has since uh, uh, alleviated, which is good to hear. But anyway, so there you go. That's that was punchline to the whole story was for that yeah part. i mean so we, we make these sacrifices um thinking that it is going to be good for us in the long term and then sometimes it's not and uh we we decide that we're um it's not worth it and we need to stop making this uh this decision um as scott says here uh thank you for that k3 factor larry i've always wondered why janet left the show um, but suspected this might be the reason. So uh, the bottom line, guys, is uh, be careful what you wish for. You may get it, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so thank you, thank you for that comment, Scott, and thank you for that story, Larry. Um, and so I want to jump <laughs> into. Um, um, I want to jump into the away mission. This is the part of the show where I give you some some takeaways that you can actually start applying to your life right now. Uh, and my, um, my takeaway here, I mean, this is all getting uh, personal again. Um, we, we started the show at the top. Uh, well, we started and uh, we barely started. I feel like we were going at, we weren't even traveling at Impulse. We were at Thrusters. We were not at station keeping because we were not no. keeping station. <laughs> No, we were just no, kind of we drifting. Were not. Yeah, yeah, we were drifting. <laughs> we almost like ran into another starship or something, and like uh, it's yeah. Anyway, I really need we're to get here. Some ship models. I'm the only Star Trek person in the world that doesn't have a ship model right here near their deck. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need. To. I, have, uh, I have. I have a ton. I have props. I have viruses. You know, I have all kinds of things here, but I don't have ships. Viruses like what? Like a macrophage? Like what virus? No, I showed you the virus from from prophecy. Didn't I show you? Was it this show? Did I think so, Larry? So this is. Whoops! Can you see? Yeah, that's the maple. That uh, sugar, whatever that maple tree, that pod, that um. Oh, I've gone blank. Whatever the tree is, it has the seed pods. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. That's what yep. that's what Mike Okuda used. This is a it's dried, but Mike picked one of these up, took it in, and then when they needed a virus in prophecy for the Klingon virus, yeah, they showed yeah, the yeah. scan of it. He just put this on a put this on a copying machine scanner, made a two D scan of it, <laughs> and then animate and then built that out and animated that into like a lot of ugly looking. It looks very much like all the coronavirus cells like we're seeing. Right yeah, they really. And does. then after really the does. after the show is over. Mike goes, here, Larry, here's your virus. So this is like the actual seed pod that they uh, that they scan oh, cool. to make the virus that's that cool. you see at Prophecy. And then he made me a custom, you probably can't read it, he made me a custom Okudagram capsule. Oh, that's cool. What, what Retrovirus. It, it says retrovirus type 47B, <laughs> biohazard, and I can't 
the last little line says, wash hands before returning to work. I mean, it's got uh. the techno babble, techno babble, techno babble. Anyway, but that is the virus from. How would we get on this? I don't know. But anyway, I don't have ships. Uh, well, you, ships. And okay, I've got a bunch. I've got a bunch. Um, I, I'm sure. a sucker for starships, but I have to keep them hidden out of sight. Um, because you otherwise have Otherwise, my daughter might get them. But yeah, yeah. I do have um, my favorite ship of the new era. We suddenly turned into right show here. and tell, guys. Here, I'll yeah, hold the camera. You get up and um, Okay. The Kelvin. I've got, um, this is the the large Kelvin from, let's see if the camera will focus. There it goes. This is the large Kelvin um, from the, the Starships collectin, collection. The, um, what are they called, Larry? Um, Don't drop it. We'll start a whole new timeline that no one likes. <laughs> I like it. Um, I love uh, I love the Kelvin for a few reasons. One is... Um, you know, it still it still abides by Gene Roddenberry's rules. It, the warp core should be visible uh, from the front. Um, it it it's uh, it looks very Federation, and it looks so different too. And um, I love um, uh, I love that it's the first thing you see in Star Trek 2009. And I also just uh, uh, love how different it looks and how how basic the the design is. Um, and it is. Um, it's the only thing in Star Trek 2009 that is uh, um, exists in the Prime timeline as well as the Kelvin timeline. Um, so there you go. Um, oh yeah, it obviously is in both. I just wonder if, and I guess the decals look weird in the Prime timeline too. They're too big <laughs> for the saucer, but okay. Well, I mean the font. It's definitely got oh, that. Oh, um, the font. Yeah. The the font is definitely uh, 1701. No bloody A, B, C, or D uh, uh, font. Um, I just think... Anyways. Uh, somebody said, make it 25% closer to the front. So they... <laughs> so, that's the Kelvin. Um, why are we talking about... I have a away mission. I don't know. I have an away mission, folks. Thanks. Um, why do we, we go on that away mission? Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Let's get out of here. Larry. I will sacrifice a little time right now to listen to your away mission. Okay. For the good I'll of make all. it quick. I'll make it quick. So, um, I mean, this is a time where we're all making personal sacrifices, right? For for the public, uh, for public health, for um, for what's best in our communities. As we've been seeing the past couple of weeks, Larry, our a lot of our European colleagues here, our European friends, have gone into additional shelter-in-place orders. Um, uh, California has passed additional restrictions this week. Things have been scaled back. Um, you know, winter is coming, and we're uh, uh, we're we're heading into uh, yeah. I know I am. Um, I'm crossing the streams here a little bit, um, but we're we're heading into a, a tough winter, and there is hope on the other side for 2021. There is hope. We've had some good good news on different uh, vaccines, um, but but we have a we have a long road ahead of us, and it's it's going to take us through a difficult winter. Um, and uh, that was not supposed to be an enterprise reference, but um, I'm just so, doing I'm just doing hand motions, and you're picking up on it. I'm trying I'm not up. to slow you down. So in in the United States, we have Thanksgiving, a time where we usually celebrate being together. And many of us are not going to be that be able to do that, or we're being asked to make sacrifices for that. Um, there's going to be very few op- opportunities 
for us to physically be in the same spaces. So a lot of personal sacrifices are, are, are ahead of us. Um, and hopefully these are going to be the last big ones before we get to, uh, get to hopefully a, a safer place with this pandemic. Anyways, as you think about these weeks ahead and all the sacrifices we're going to have to make, what I want you all to do is really to think about um, when when you're thinking about these sacrifices, in what way are they helping you? In what way are they helping those that you love? In what ways are they helping your community? Um, thinking about those parts of these sacrifices, whether it is to maintain your own health, to maintain the safety of your family and loved ones, whether it's about your your duty to your community to um the the people around you to your neighbors to um your uh, um, uh, to the elders around you um or if it's about um um maintaining as much as you can um a uh, safety you know these kind of things are what is going to help us to make these sacrifices that it's focusing on what we're giving up is is really going to set you down a road of uh, unhappiness and a lot of misery but focusing on what we're gaining focusing on how this is helpful for us focusing on how this is going to help our um, our healthcare system it's gonna it's, it's really preserving a lot of safety and how in the long term this might actually reduce our need for more shutdowns in the future while we're waiting for um, a vaccine. These kind of things are really going to help us with these sacrifices. I know it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to just think about those things. Um, but if none of that works, then just answer the question: How do these sacrifices that we are making? How do these help you with your own goals um, in your own life? And um, that might provide you with a little bit of the motivation to keep you going through this uh, through this tough time. So. Yeah. That's my away mission, Larry. Long term. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. No, it is. It's yeah. it's it's um it's frustrating. It's it's amazing how science and what a lot of people see as common sense or common sense once they understand it and how that's been politicized and made divided. And and aside from the politicization, it's exhausting. People thought, I thought we did all this in the spring and the summer and if you, I, I wondered how it worked in real time, and there's also yeah. a little arrogance of the, of the modern. I mean, I have a lot of, <laughs> I talk, I talk about the errant, the arrogance of the new. You know, people that don't know who, <laughs> what they're supposed to do, and it, it trips you up, and the arrogance of the uh, the minority sometimes. But the arrogance of, of of any of us, of the arrogance of the modern. We look at all the old bar graphs. We look at the stats from the Spanish flu and the last huge global pandemic was the Spanish the Spanish quote-unquote flu and we saw those there's a three-curve wave there the second wave was the biggest but it went it, it lasted 18 months really and then it did it echoed away if you really start yeah. reading about it it had little waves that went away but we looked at that at the, I was reading that at the beginning I'd always heard about it but I'd never looked at it so I was watching some documentaries and YouTubes and reading some articles like last February last March <laughs> And I saw that wave, and I'm like, well, what was that? They didn't get everybody on board with, you know, mask wearing. They didn't get it under control. They had people ignoring it. And they did, and, of course, they knew a lot less about science and viral methodology than we do now. But at the time, I was like, 
how did they let it go, come and go and come and go in waves? And a part of it is, despite your best efforts, even if you get everybody on the same page, that's what's going to happen. And yeah. some of this was, some of this, I mean, I, and here I was trying to pay attention, let less ignore it. But now I get it. It's like part of this is you've got part of the world, part of the country, part of America doing the best they can, whether it's by state or it's within. We have here people here in Southern California. Orange County was notorious for, you know, thumbing their nose at this. And, yeah. and now look at the rates we're having. But even people of a good intention, it's exhausting. It's hard. And then you get into the, well, I did all this in April. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. seen I'm seeing memes and things online by people saying, you know, like, well, the virus doesn't know you're tired or the virus doesn't know it should have gone away. The virus is just a virus. And, yeah. you know, I've always said the virus doesn't care what party you are, how old you are, what what nationality or ethnic group you are, what your religion. The virus is just a virus. It doesn't care about any of that. Yeah. But now on top of that, it's like the virus doesn't care that you've been researching it <laughs> and you think you know, or the virus doesn't care that you did everything to beat it six months ago and you still have to keep up, you know. So it's, it's I, I've seen that too, but I know a lot of people who are well-intentioned are just exhausted as hell right now and, and getting a little resentful. But it's it's like the long car trip. It's like just a little longer, guys, just a little longer. You said that last yeah. time, Mom. You know. I know. Um you know, uh, Glenn just had a comment about how his mother is in a high r risk group, and um, but she also needs to see him. And so, what what I think a lot of us are trying to balance is um, how do we responsibly manage risk while also supporting each other and our uh, and our mental health. Um, uh, mental health is incredibly important right now uh, and it's we need to see each other we need to be with each other and we need to do that responsibly as as responsible as we can um, so whether that means you know if you're in a situation like Glenn where you also need to support someone um, psychologically support someone who's in a high-risk category then that means you need to make other personal sacrifices and reduce the contact you might have with other people in your community so that you're uh, you're reducing the risk that you might be bringing to your mother you know this is um, uh, there's a lot of ways in which we are all making very personal sacrifice. Today, Larry, I'll give you an example. Today um, is my uh, my cousin's birthday. Um, um, the cousins uh, I am closest to, I'm saying plural because they're twins. Um, I so want to go see them right now. Um, but I also know that um, it's not the best safest thing for me to do um especially because um my daughter's been going to preschool uh in person and so i consider us to be a higher risk because my daughter right. has been having contact with other kids and she goes to playgrounds and these kind of things so because of that I, You've already I feel got like one it's, factor in play. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't have a K three factor, but I have a K one factor, <laughs> and um, because of that, I need to be much more conservative in who I am exposing myself to. And my cousin has a has a young daughter who's one years old who isn't oh. going out. So, like, I, automatic. I I just I don't want to expose 
them to percept something we might potentially have. So, you know, it, it breaks my heart. I, I love these guys and I want to see them. I have not seen them in person um, in a very long time. I don't think I've seen them in person since their birthday last year. This yeah. today, last year. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I, I would throw just one thing on top of your, if it helps, hear the mantra. Uh, I re- Last spring, it was really hard on school kids and student athletes, yeah. but any any anybody graduating college or high school, but high school especially, uh, and, you know, middle school, I don't know, people who were trying to do kids, young people, look forward to you know like their prom, their graduation, all that yes. end of that ritualistic end of school stuff, and the spring sports too, but all these young people. And you only get one chance. You don't get to, and, you know, and they came up with virtual replacements and socially yeah. distanced replacements. And people tried to, you know, different communities who were trying, tried different things. And the one solace that I would think of to tell people, I didn't really have anybody in that, in that situation that I knew of close to me, but I would see that happening. And I would try to say, look, guys, it's hard now, but just think. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, your whole life, you'll be able to say, oh, well, yeah, normal prom, normal graduation, normal this. <laughs> I was the year of the pandemic. And let me tell you what, you know, it's like someday this will be a badge of honor that you get to bore everybody. Well, when we were in the pandemic, <laughs> back in 2020, and you'll have that for the rest of your life and everybody else will go back to normal you know, mundane proms and graduations and whatever spring events. And I know it's gotten long in the tooth now. <laughs> it's like, okay, but it's nine months later. But this is our first holiday season. I mean, I, I can think of the two Christmases when we had ice storms back home and how everything was disrupted once because we couldn't go anywhere and one time because we were trapped where we were and we couldn't get out. And once we were trapped and had no power, it was like we couldn't travel, we couldn't leave, and we had candles, you know. And hey, we're all together, <laughs> you know. But so I'd be like, those years, they totally stand out to me. And I can totally remember that. So if we can get through, you know, just like spring events and with our young people and all that, and the parents of the young people wanting to watch. Yeah. If we can yeah. get through these holidays with that mindset of, hey, we're always going to remember, you know, we're ever going to remember the pandemic holidays. And we'll all, you know, we'll talk about that's if you can get on that side of it, I think that's helpful to people too. It's just like just think of the stories we will sing, the songs that we, the songs that well, we told the stories. You know, there's a, drunk there's... Klingons. Drunk Klingons sing stories and tell songs. You do great songs will be sung of this. No, no, no. Pandemic. Songs will be songs will be told. Stories will be sung. See how that goes. <laughs> well, and just a couple of shout outs. Um, Charlotte says. I've had no close contact with anyone in months. Alternatively, seeing other people in real life can trigger me to panic. It's really getting to me, but Life Support Live has been such a light in my life. And, um, you know, this is is a big reason why we keep doing this show. Um, It's not... It's not easy. As you can tell, Larry and I do not have our (laughs) SHIT together um, quite often. We're we're getting very constipated because our SHIT seems to be getting less and less every week. (laughs) Um, Yes. Um, You know, we're both we're both pretty we're stretched pretty thin on our ends. Um, There there were some. Remember back when, Larry, we 
had long, long phone calls to prep each episode, and everything was mapped out, and we had extensive notes. And um, that's when we were winning the the Webbies and the Emmys. Yeah, <laughs> we um, we used to be able to dedicate so much more, and I think on both of our ends, we've been stretched so thin recently that. Um, the the prep that we have for Life Support Live is so um, so limited compared to what we want it to be, and we keep doing the show. I think because of uh, of the support that we get from each other, and because yeah. of the fun, and because of the community, and because of all of you, and because of comments. This community um, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and you it's all growing. Are, yeah, I, I didn't want to take a break because I didn't want to set back the development and the growth, and I. I did this. This is a lot like Portal 40. When I started Portal 47, it was all about what can I do? What can I serve? What can I share? What do I think is not out there that people deserve to know about Star Trek? Like I say, it's it's Portal 47 is for everyone who has no idea how much Star Trek they have no idea about. And what I didn't count on was the community giving back to me, giving to each other, and finding something, the uniqueness of the community, not just this one-to-one relationship. And that's happening here too and i lo- I, yeah. I never st- i just think about us having a show or us having a topic or con con i hate that word content i've said it before it's like we're making dog food dog food is content in cans <laughs> but anyway it's like what we're putting out into the world is not a one-way street it's two-way and then it's even triangular because our our community interacts with each other and oh my god! I'm, when we get together for those retreats, oh my god! And Jared's the social—I <laughs> can't get yeah, over would, that. I, but anyway, I would love this that. This is what's been amazing. And then to be reading people, uh, everybody, people, different people say this from time to time. But I see people's talking about how <laughs> this is a little wild to say, but folks who were talking about how this is like a highlight of their week and how they really look forward to our... And there's so many podcasts and so many shows out there, I know, but I like to think that we've got a... Between uh, between what I bring and your wack, you know, your insight and our wackiness, but also the wackiness and the fun that our community brings in the chat here. Absolutely. It's not just, Absolutely. It's not just here's the textbook on how online is supposed to be. It's like this is, you know, this is really bringing it to life everywhere. So yeah, for everybody and- who... Everybody who says they love the show and this is a highlight of your week, thank you guys. That's yeah. it's like I, I'm glad it is, and that and when I say this, I don't mean it in a. It's like that was never part of the plan, but I'm no. glad it is part of the plan. Yes, I, yeah. yes, I completely agree. Uh, you know, um, it used to be Larry that I I was um, starved to talk Trek because um, I didn't talk Trek that, <laughs> well, that a- much during the week. <laughs> yeah, no, that's gone now, um, and it's it's nice that I don't feel like this. Um, this void, um, because so much of my Star Trek talking would be limited to the, the times I would see a close friend or at a convention or things like that. Like, I didn't have the, the regular contact. Um, and Life Support Live has completely changed that. I always have, have something, and I'm always learning and growing from our conversations as well as our communities. And, you know, uh, you know, we're talking about personal sacrifices. Rebecca, I know you uh, just came on uh, towards the tail end over here. But uh, Rebecca says, my mom is in the U.S. alone fighting cancer. I'm in the U.K. It sucks, mm-hmm. but I'd rather keep her safe than do something um, daft 
like travel to her. And uh, Rebecca, I think you're you're making a big sacrifice here, and you're doing it um, in all the ways that we've talked about in terms of what do you have to gain? Like why why make the sacrifice? The um, the sacrificing seeing your mom at such a difficult time. You know the the risks involved there, Larry, of of getting on a flight, of traveling, of yeah. going to see someone who's vulnerable, being exposed to other people, and then coming back. That that's a lot of risk there. And you're not just beaming into the plane. I mean, no, the, you, the worst yeah. part about traveling is going to the airport and getting through all the systems. Even though I know right. they're all doing all the socially distant required, you know, all the safety requirements. That's just so many factors. It's like if I could just beam into well, if I could just beam into a plane, I'd beam where I'm going. Come on, transporters. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's like the flight part of the plane. It's a, the airlines have put filters into the filtrations and they pump up the you know. It's like the it's the airports and the travel in and out that, that kill me. That I yeah, I and and we're and 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 the United States doesn't really have a quarantine system set up um, into place. Uh, a colleague of mine just traveled to Taiwan. And um, they are required to be in quarantine in two weeks in a hotel. They cannot leave the room. Um, they're monitored. So if they leave the door, an alarm goes off. Um, they have to be in quarantine for two weeks, um, not have any symptoms, not be COVID positive before they can enter the country. The United States is not set up in that way. So um, this is why Rebecca, I kept saying all the these right thing. All, yeah, all the American conventions that have a lot of foreign travelers usually coming to the States, yeah. that's why they're going to lose. That's why almost no one from overseas would have come to say Vegas right. in December because they'd lose two weeks of work or whatever back home. Right. Or, or San Diego comic con. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rebecca says I need two trains, um, uh, and the underground just to get to London Heathrow airport. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it, it is a, it's a very tough, tough time and as scott says monitored but my freedom i mean this is this is the thing it's this is where our more individualistic culture is really challenged it's very hard in a culture that is so fiercely individualistic as the united states to think about us and think about community Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nimichek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the psych show. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>